Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's jump into some tech gumbo today. I'm ready. First thing we wanted to do with our news and updates here, we wanted to talk about NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, and how your prediction of not too many months ago may be coming true. That's right. For those of you who are paying attention, back at the end of 2021, my prediction was that the NFT market would crash. I did not expect to be this right this soon, but we're counting this as a win. So for those of you who have been paying attention, Jack Dorsey, one of the founders of Twitter, he had released his very first tweet ever as an NFT and was bought for $2.9 million about a year ago which I'm not even 100% sure what it means to own the first tweet, but that gets into the whole other sub-conversation of like, what even is an NFT? What, is it, what does it mean to own something digital like that? Yeah, it was sold for $2.9 million about a year ago, and the person who bought it held it, and they said, now is the time to strike. I think I'm going to set the first bid for $48 million. Thinking you can go from 2.9 up to $48 million. And he was going to donate half of the profits to several charitable foundations. And the first bid came in at $14,000. But that bid was not sustained. Then all of a sudden, nobody bid. And finally, somebody bid $280 in that was accepted that is embarrassing 280 dollars on what was projected to be 48 million dollars so if you're doing the math that was point zero 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 five eight three three of what the original asking price was or roughly one half of one one thousandth of one percent. Oh my 
God. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous to have. In a year's time, the whole NFT crash so bad. Yeah, I, I think what we're really seeing here is that there's not an inherent value to owning that item. It's not like the Mona Lisa, where it's this piece of artwork that you can look at. It's just some text. And so they're really the only thing that you're buying here is vibes. And all, all of a sudden, the vibes have dried up. And you really have to wonder, what does this do to other NFT markets? What does this do to the price of crypto? Does everything else deflate? Probably not this hard, but you can't expect things to keep going up. No, you can't. And I'm just glad I didn't jump into the whole NFT thing and just we stayed on the sidelines for that one. Yeah, very much more fun to watch from the side. Another cratering thing is Netflix. They dropped 35% of their share value in the past several days. Well, it was reported that they lost 200,000 subscribers during the first quarter of this year. That's a lot of subscribers to lose in three months' time. And they're also projected to lose more subscribers next quarter. To put that in perspective, somewhere in the October-November time frame, Netflix was sitting up above $650 per share, almost up to $700 per share. But for a full month, they were there. They're now down to $220 per share. That is one third of what they were worth six months ago. That is a, another tech company that is just tanking right now. So they were expected to add, add 2.7 million subscribers during that first quarter, they only added 2.5 million subscribers. The total number of subscribers has continued to drop, which brings into question, why do you still want to have Netflix? That's a great point. That's what is Netflix doing better than its competition? If I want to watch anything, if I want live or sports, well, Disney owns ESPN owns Hulu. And so, oh, the ESPN Plus is part of the Disney bundle. That's right. If I have Amazon TV, I get ESPN with it. If I want Google TV, I can get ESPN with it. I can watch sports. I can watch, you know, the ABC, NBC, CBS sports lineups. I can watch the playoffs on TNT. But if I want to watch sports on Netflix, I'm watching the, you know, some movie about hockey. You know, the the Mighty Ducks or something like that. I think that Mighty Ducks is an ABC property, which okay. means it's on Hulu. That's right. It's probably not on Netflix. So, I mean, there you go. It's one of those things where you kind of look at it and go, well, gee. And this was right after, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Netflix was going to start cracking down on people sharing those passwords. And Netflix has come out and said, oh, yeah. Look, we're we're hemorrhaging here, and if people are going to keep doing this, well, we're going to start adding. We're going to add another subscription level where we put ads in the middle of the shows. How's that going to fly with you? I'm curious to know: Do they drop the price? Like, so the the ad tier. If currently the Netflix is 15 bucks a month, but the ad tier is eight bucks a month. Okay, 
you have my interest. But if the ad tier is 14 bucks a month and the regular tier is 18 bucks a month now, no. Now now I'm angry and I'm I'm leaving out of spite more than anything else. If you're telling me in an hour and a half movie you're going to stop every 20 minutes for 2 minutes of commercials and I can't fast forward through them cuz you're going to control that if you're Netflix. Oh, if if you're putting ads inside of movies, you have you have given up. You could put ads inside of your shows that come from television that already have those breaks. But the whole point of Netflix shows, the Netflix originals, is that they weren't written to have commercials in the middle. Our whole, like, the sitcom, that 22-minute segment, was very tightly written around those. And so shows that don't have that natural break in the middle, you're going to harm the quality of your content there. Can you imagine all these these stand-up comedian specials? Oh, we're gonna take a break here for a, a two-minute commercial. We'll be right back. Oh, that's that's honestly, I think stand-up comedy might be the one thing that Netflix does better than anybody else is that oh, they do really? have. Yeah, that- if you start putting ads in the middle of stand-up specials, every comedian in the world is gonna look to go somewhere else as fast as they can. So why, if I have HBO Max, I get the whole DC comic universe. If I have Disney Plus, I get the Marvel comic universe, and I get Star Wars. If I'm on HBO, I, I've got the Harry Potter series. What does Netflix have? That what, what's their draw? What's their thing that? And of the just look in the past twenty years of movies, of the big box office movies over the past twenty years, what's one thing is on Netflix right now? I. I have to sit there. I'd have to go look at the list. That's the problem. You'd have to sit there and go, well, maybe there's something I'd want to find. That's the reason you're going to still spend $15 a month. Maybe there's something I can find. I, I totally agree. And I think it's for the same reason that Facebook, whenever they said, oh, for the first time ever, we lost a couple people. And that was a huge blow to the company. I wonder how many other digital services that have relied entirely on the fact that they just keep growing quarter over quarter at some point in time you hit your capacity and just you don't have more people who want to to buy into your service because you've gotten all the people all of them will hit that threshold at some point is this bubble baked in that all of these tech companies eventually will take a small downward trend and we light everything on fire because we're not growing infinitely anymore i don't know that's really something that we need to ask is how much of this is is based on a sustainable business model and how much of it relies on that permanent growth mode i'm worried about netflix and uh, you know they need to find something more to do because if it's just shows that even if it's netflix originals or movies or whatever What's the reason to stay? What's what what does Netflix have that I want to because if I'm going to spend I got $15 a month, I'm going to do HBO Max or Netflix or Disney Plus. I I think that ultimately what probably happens here is Netflix becomes the, the next generation's HBO that 20 years ago, HBO was smaller. It was known for its quality content, but it 
it wasn't very big. No one expected it to be a juggernaut or behemoth, but it it knew exactly what it was. It knew exactly what it did, and it, that was that was fine. But because HBO got bought and merged and bought and merged, now it's the name we put at the top of a huge streaming platform. But maybe Netflix stays at the top or done, and it does just sink into third or fourth. It would make sense if Amazon bought Netflix. Amazon doesn't have the whole library of of shows and videos that a Netflix has. Amazon does have some originals. They have some originals, but the whole library of everything else that Netflix has available. And that would make sense to me to see Netflix part of the Amazon network. Now you've got something else. Yeah. And Netflix is mostly self-contained. It's not like you have all these offshoots of it for Amazon to buy it out. That's maybe that does make a lot of sense. Now you've got Amazon TV with the live shows, live sporting that you can get. And now you've got the Netflix library. You can roll into it. Makes good sense to me. I agree. That's very interesting. Moving into something else, wherever growth is an interesting question, SpaceX and Starlink. That's right. Our friends at at SpaceX are doing some testing with Delta Airlines, allowing Delta. They're putting the Starlink internet service on on a couple of Delta Airlines jets and testing it out. This is a cool idea. It's it's a nice novel offshoot of the Starlink brand, and it makes a lot of sense that it works you know you already have the satellites you put a dish on the front of it and there you go but i have a lot of questions as to everything else about this one is you know how much faster are you going to be over what they currently have is it going to be worth the price to the user but then also if starlink has a backlog of their regular products why are they trying all these other things and why are they not working on that backlog? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because this whole Russia-Ukraine thing going on over there, everybody certainly, we've not talked, everybody's talked about that enough. And they were worried about the internet being cut off. So Starlink sent 10,000 dishes to Ukraine. Lit them up, let's go. Here's your internet, boys and girls. And that's fine. That's great. But if you have 100,000 people here in the U.S. who've signed up and they're on a waiting list and can't get the dishes because there's a backlog issue, but you can ship 10,000 dishes to Ukraine overnight, what's the backlog? Yeah, the in the past, from our reporting, it, it seemed like the backlog was just they couldn't crank the dishes out fast enough. That the the factories just couldn't, you know, turn the gears to to pump the dishes out. Well, if you can just send 10,000 dishes that you had sitting around, it seems like maybe the factories weren't the issue. It seems like just the capacity inside the network itself is the issue. But even then, it's kind of geolocated. Because if you have capacity over in Ukraine, but you don't have it in America... That's even more interesting. So Starlink is very close to the vest with their information, but you've got to believe they've got multiple locations around the world where the satellites are 
are pulling their, their information up and down from this, not just one location in Texas or something like that. They've got to have multiple places around the world where the internet is flowing up and down. And so, okay, let's say have they one have have a, a, an up and down link in in Europe somewhere, and that's what's providing the internet to Ukraine. Okay, that's great. But are you still telling me you don't have enough satellites in the air to handle the capacity of what's in the U.S. with the request of the U.S.? Yeah. Now, what they're what this looks like to us, because again, Starlink is not confirming specific details. It looks like that they just don't have enough satellites in the air to station themselves above America for all the demand here in America. That you know the satellite has to make the trip all the way around the planet, and that whenever it's on the other side from us, well, it's not doing anything while it's over there, and so they're turning on you know their their connections from the satellite back into the actual internet. You know, you could do it in Ukraine, you could do it in Australia, because you're not competing with anything else there. But here in America, we've we've hit our capacity here. And how long is it going to be until you can get enough satellites up in the air to increase your capacity above America? So they've got about 2,200 satellites floating around the, 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 the globe right now. And the goal is to get to somewhere around 12,000, which is going to take another three years to get to that 12,000 mark. And is, is that what the capacity issue is? There's another story that talked about if you pause, if you have one of these satellite dishes and you pause your internet service with Starlink, you may not get back in line. Yeah. So you you have your dish, you have your account, and for whatever reason you turn it off for two or three months and you go to turn it back on, they say, nope, we're full. And so that really goes to show you they're they're having bottleneck issues that are difficult to pinpoint exactly where it is and these are pretty tight bottlenecks it really makes you you know kind of scratch your head and go well that was interesting the the hey we're gonna take we're gonna be able to get you internet anywhere on the planet you want to go could it be that elon musk has overpromised and underproduced uh, could not be yet again that I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I want to say that there was a prediction made that by the end of 2022, all the demand would be met. And if you are not letting individuals in who already had it and had to pause, then you are very tight on your bandwidth. You are very tight on your bottleneck, on your choke point, and that's you're not about to open the floodgates anytime soon. Oh, and by the way, that $99 a month, yeah, now it's 110 And oh, by the way, that $499 dish, it's now $599 for that dish. That is the as-a-service model. Anything that you pay that monthly recurring number, it's going to go up. Across the board, anywhere, anytime, it goes up. And so, once again, it just makes you want to ask somebody, 
And maybe we'll get an answer one day. What is their capacity? We will be fascinated to find out. Hopefully soon. Unlikely, though. And when we do, we'll let you know here on Tech Gumbo. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. You can also always text us 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.